the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weekday at this time to share the good news of Jesus and to lift up His name to this city. No matter if you are listening right now from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that today's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to everyone. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message. The Lord's Prayer is in Matthew 6, but I want to go back to Matthew chapter 1. You have what's called the genealogy of Jesus, and what you have in that chapter is the genealogy, Jesus' lineage, starting from Abraham, going all the way to Jesus. There are some 40 different names in chapter 1 in this genealogy, but if I had time, I could actually show you a lot in this genealogy, but When you look at the genealogy or the lineage of Jesus, it's important to note that Jesus came from a line or a lineage of kings. Keep that in mind. Now turn the page to chapter 2. What happens in chapter 2? Well, you know the story around Christmas time. You have the three wise men or the wise men. And the wise men are following a star. And the star lands over a stable in a little town called Bethlehem. Now, why are these wise men from the east following that star? Because they believe that the star indicated that a new king had been born in the land of Judea. In fact, if you look at chapter 2, the first two verses, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Everybody say King Herod. I'm going to come talk about that. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked this question, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Now the problem with that question is there already was a king of the Jews. Who was that? Well, it was King Herod. Herod was known as Herod the Great. That was one of his nicknames. The reason he was great was because he was a magnificent builder. He built buildings that the world had never seen up to that point. He was the one that built the palace on top of Masada, if you've ever gone with us to the Holy Land. He was also called Herod the Great because Herod the Great was the one who built the temple. It's called the second temple, Herod's temple, the one that Jesus walked in and out up on the Temple Mount. Herod was the one that built that building. The foundation of that building, which is the Western Wall, still remains today 2,000 years later. He was called Herod the Great, except he should have been called Herod the Ruthless Killer because Herod stole his throne like a fox. He had his own son killed to keep power. He had his own wife killed. And he was a puppet king under Rome's control because Rome actually ruled Israel and Herod was their puppet king. 
but he was actually called Herod, King of the Jews. That was Herod's title. No wonder when the wise men show up in chapter 2, searching for the new king, that Herod ordered that all the male babies in and around the vicinity of Bethlehem to be killed. That's how evil he was. That's what he was willing to do to remain king of the Jews himself and to remain in power in Judea and Galilee. Such is the world and history of all pharaohs and Caesars and emperors and czars and presidents and kings and queens and dictators who rule ruthlessly, no matter how ruthless they are, no matter how power-hungry they are, all kings come and go. There will be another ruthless man who will take the throne after Herod's rules. And powerful nations and powerful kings throughout history, they all rule, but ladies and gentlemen, they only rule for a season. And according to the gospel, if you go over to Matthew chapter 4, for a simple carpenter he's got no army he's got no soldiers he's got no weapons but jesus arrives onto the scene and in matthew chapter 4 verse 17 the bible says from that time on jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is near Now, Jesus' kingdom is unlike the kingdoms, normal kingdoms. He had no land. He had no castles. He had no walls. As I said, he had no armies. His kingdom transcends geographical and temporal limitations because his kingdom is a supernatural kingdom. Jesus' kingdom surpasses the ambitious longings and lust of power of Babylon's Nebuchadnezzar or Persians Darius or the Greeks Alexander the Great or Rome's Caesars when Jesus a Nazarene peasant spoke of a kingdom trust me it startled the first century Jews and reignited within them a dream that had begun to fade For Jews who were living in the first century, when Jesus began this kingdom talk, it would have struck a resonating chord within them because everyone living in Jerusalem under Rome's occupation, they knew that a thousand years earlier, King David was the one who expanded the kingdom. His son Solomon ruled next, but his reign was very disappointing because in the year 925 B.C., the nation of Israel was divided between two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and eventually both of those two kingdoms were conquered. The Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom in 721 B.C. and carried the northern part of Israel up to Assyria. The southern kingdom was captured by the Babylonians in the year 586 B.C. And the Jews were carried off into captivity in the land of Babylon. And then you have the 350 years before Jesus walked on this earth. The 350 years before Jesus arrived, there was an endless circle of kings and kingdoms ruling over the Jews. First the Persians and then the Greeks 
and then the Syrians, and then the Egyptians, and now, finally, the Romans. And out of the blue, a Nazarene peasant arrives with a startling message that the kingdom of God is near. So let's answer these three questions in your notes. Where is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? What is that? When we say kingdom of God. Well, the word kingdom, write this down. The word kingdom means to rule or to reign. It means to rule or to reign. So when you talk about the kingdom of God, you're talking about the reign of God, the rule of God. The kingdom of God is wherever God reigns. So my second point is this, whenever you pray this prayer, what exactly is it that you, when you say your kingdom come, what are you actually praying? You're asking, number one, write this down, you're asking God to rule in your heart. When you say your kingdom come, you're asking or requesting that the Lord, the king of the universe, to walk into your world and to walk into your family and to walk into your marriage, and to walk into your office, to walk into your school, to walk into your home, to walk into your heart, and occupy and rule and reign in your life. That's what you're saying. Now... There is a battle right now. It's being fought right now. There's a struggle, a tug of war for who rules your heart right now. There's a battle being fought for every one of your hearts. You do know this, do you not? You're not just sitting here. There's a tug of war in all of the heavens for who's going to rule your heart this very moment. Your kingdom come is a submissive prayer. You're saying, you see, when you pray, how many of you pray? Raise your hand real quick, real quick. When you pray, the reason you pray is not to inform God what your plans are. The purpose of your prayers is to call on God to do his plan through you. Your kingdom come. You don't don't pray my kingdom come. You pray your kingdom come. And it means that you are yielding control of your life and you are yielding your agenda and you are yielding your plans over to his sovereign and saving reign. You're asking God to rule your heart as he rules all of heaven. You see, in the kingdom of God, it's unlike any other kingdom. In the kingdom of God, we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. In the kingdom of God, We hunger after righteousness, not unrighteousness. In the kingdom of God, we let go of hatred and bitterness and prejudices. And instead, we offer love and forgiveness, even to those who've mistreated us. In the kingdom of God, we let go of greed and the hoarding of goods and the hoarding of material possessions. Instead, we learn to give and to sacrifice and to serve. 
In the kingdom of God, we empty ourselves of pride and ego and lust, and we strive for a thing called purity. We strive for humility. We strive for contriteness in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we cling. We cling to what is holy. And we run away from what's evil and immoral. In the kingdom of God, instead of wanting to be served, we are the ones who desire to serve. You see, this is no feeble request. That's why I said earlier, you've said these words many times. And you really don't even know what you're asking for. This is not a feeble request. It's a life-altering prayer. Your kingdom come. You're inviting God of the universe to come and to enter your life and to rule. And you cannot say these words. You cannot say your kingdom come if you don't mean it. You have absolutely no integrity whatsoever if you say your kingdom come and at the same time you're trying to rule your own life. You have no integrity whatsoever. Second thing you're saying when you say your kingdom come, write this down. You're imploring God to transform your life so that through your transformed life, you can begin to see other lives be transformed. You see, you have to pay attention to these words. That's why we're looking at this thing verse by verse, line by line, word by word. When you say the words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? Part of this request is that God would rule the entire earth as he rules heaven. That Christ would rule not just in my heart, but that he would rule also in my neighbor's heart. When you pray your kingdom come, you are acknowledging that God has the right to rule all people, that he has the right to rule all nations, that he has the right to rule all kingdoms. It's why he's called the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. We are seeking, we're asking, we're requesting as God, as you sit on the throne in heaven, would you please sit on your throne here on earth? Hillsong, New York, they have a phrase that they use over and over and over again in their ministry. It's called hashtag Occupy All Streets. And they want to have a presence in every neighborhood in New York, in every neighborhood, on every street, down every alley. They believe that no one is beyond the reach of God. And so when you pray your kingdom come, yes, you're asking God to occupy your life, but you're also asking God to use your life to reach the world for Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you have a mom and a dad and your mom and dad are not saved, you keep praying for your mom and dad to be saved. And pray for Hollywood and pray for the media and pray for the stranger and pray for your enemies and pray for your friends and pray for your boss. That any and all would surrender their kingdoms over to the rule of God and to the kingdom of God. And here's the third thing you're saying when you say your kingdom come. Don't, don't, don't miss this. When you say your kingdom come, you write this down. You're speeding the return of Jesus Christ. Your kingdom come. You're, you're, like, you're like asking Jesus to get here. Come on back. Listen carefully. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that one day, one day, every single knee 
The Bible says that there is coming a day where every single knee will bow and every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, I tell you what, right now, right now, not so much. There's a lot of people that don't believe in God. There's a lot of people that don't go to church. There's a lot of people that don't read their Bible. There's a lot of people that don't believe that God is real, that Jesus is real. A lot of people reject the things of God. But the Bible says there is coming a day where every single human being on this earth will fall on their knees and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, my question is this. My question is this. When... When is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? When the Lord Jesus Christ returns, that's when that's going to happen. So when you say, your kingdom come, part of that is understanding that, oh, he's coming. And I hope that he comes into my life. I hope he comes into my heart. I want him to. He will. And I hope that he uses me to make a difference in this world. And then... I pray, Lord, the day comes where you come and truly every single person here is honoring and worshiping you. On your cover, you have these hands, and we have this logo right here. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the middle of the hands, we kind of put it in there where it's kind of like incognito. Like if you weren't looking for it, you couldn't see it. But if you look for it, you can see there's a cross. Do you see the cross? And then you have these rays coming out of the cross. You see that? That is symbolic of the first time that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He came, he died on a cross, he was placed into a tomb, a big stone was rolled in front of the mouth of the tomb, he was in there for three days, and on the third day, God rolled that stone away, and Jesus Christ came out of that tomb. Don't ever forget, as you look at those hands, and you're praying the Lord's Prayer, and you remember what he did on the cross, and you, then you do realize that he was buried, he did resurrect, he's now in heaven, but as you pray, don't forget that one day he's coming back a second time. And when he comes back the second time, he's coming back to rule and to reign. And so as we begin to close, how does this kingdom come? Your kingdom, how, how does it come? How many of you want to know the answer to that question? Two words. Number one, write this down. Number one is conversion. How does his kingdom come? He's in heaven. He rules heaven. How does he rule here on earth? It happens bit by bit as every single person invites Jesus Christ into your life. When you become a Christian, your kingdom come, you're asking God to come and live and rule within you. So when Christ came into my life, I was an eight-year-old boy. When I invited Christ into my life, I was baptized. Jesus Christ came into my heart, and he set up residence, and he began to rule Dudley Rutherford. Now, wherever I go, I am the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is wherever God rules. And God rules my heart. So if I go to the store, if I go to the restaurant, if I get on my bike and I start cycling, or if I come to church, it doesn't matter where I go. God is with me. I am the kingdom of God. 
Because when God comes into my heart and He comes into my life, He begins to take over and He rules. And He rules in your heart and He rules in my heart. Amen. And that's why Matthew 6, verse 33, look at these words. Of all the things on this earth, all of the things, money, fame, fortune, family, drugs, alcohol, everything. Seek first his kingdom. It should be the priority of every single person in this room to seek first the kingdom of God. And the second part of how his kingdom comes, write this down, is a thing called commitment or faithfulness. You see, once you get saved and he comes to rule, there's no turning back. And Jesus said this phrase, this verse, this, I don't know, first time I ever heard this verse, I've known this verse for 50 years. It's a long, I'm an old guy. But it said, Jesus said, whoever puts his hand to the plow and he looks back, he's not fit for service in the kingdom. Of, what, it, what does that mean? Well, what it means is this, that once you become a Christian, once he takes residence in your life, there's no turning back. And Jesus, if you look at the verse, it says, it doesn't say, who he puts his hand to plow, you cannot go back. He says, you shouldn't even look back. When you become a Christian, don't, don't ever go back to your old way of life. The old sin, the old habits, the old... The, once, once, once you become a Christian, don't, don't even look back at the things of this world. I believe that the church is the kingdom of God. Because God rules in your heart. He reigns in my heart. But this is just me. Whenever I see the kingdom of God, I'm thinking, well, that's the church. Because Jesus doesn't have an army. We are the army. You and I are the army in the kingdom of God. And as he rules in my heart, and I meet someone, and they become a part of the kingdom. The kingdom keeps getting larger and larger and larger. And over a over hundred uh, years ago, there were a handful of people here in the San Fernando Valley who said, hey, let's start a church, about five people. But they, they were the kingdom of God, and they reached a couple. And then they were seven, then they were eight, and then they're ten. The church kept growing. Then there's a hundred, then there's two hundred, there's three hundred, four hundred. And today, there's like 11,000 of us. Right? Are you with me? And eventually, some of you have no faith. Some of you lack faith. One day, I believe the entire city of Los Angeles, we're going to take over. We're going to take the ground back that Satan has stolen. We're going to take back the ground that Satan has ruined. The lives that Satan has caused havoc and destruction, we're going to restore all people. And that's how the kingdom of God expands. I hope the message you just heard today from Pastor Dudley was a blessing to you. Isaiah 55:11 reminds us that the preaching of God's Word never returns void. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready. If you are in need of prayer, our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. We know the enemy never rests, and his daily attack upon us remains constant. So please don't hesitate to call if you are alone and in need of someone to pray with. Our number again is 888-818-4777. 
If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, visit our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Hello, friends. My name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our new Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right. We're adding a fourth service. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.